this message is called The Body of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so uh, to start with, I'd like to go to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, which reads, The, verse of, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Many hundreds of years later, during which time included an approximate period of 400 years' silence between the Old Testament and this prophecy there was, a full, was fulfilled. And as we read in Mark chapter 1 and 2, where it was fulfilled, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. For John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. I just want to do something with my glasses. Excuse me a minute. Just recently, Sister Emma <coughs> spoke a message about the perfectly, perfect reliability and truth of God's immutable word. And here we see for these prophecies and the fulfillment of this prophecy, we proof that God will keep his word. Even though many hundreds of years previously the prophecy had been foretold, and regardless of the extensive period of time, this prophecy would be and was fulfilled. About, I doubt that there would be anyone so old and still alive to witness the fulfillment of this prophecy, but it was fulfilled exactly as foretold. John the Baptist was to prepare the way for the Messiah, and when his ministry began, people came to him from Jerusalem, all over Judea and the whole region of Jordan, where they were baptized, confessing their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, John rebuked them sternly and spoke a very strong message to them. He called them a generation of vipers and told them that they needed to repent. They were filled with their own self-righteousness and their religious teachings were false. Basically, their message was, do as we say, not as we do. They were not good teachers of the truth. They were not good teachers of the word of God. It was interesting to notice that even these religious leaders needed to repent of their sins, although they themselves saw no need that they needed to repent. Repentance is more than regret and remorse. I understand the Greek word for repent is metanoia, if I pronounce that correctly, probably not. And the closest literal English meaning of this word is to have a change of mind or to think differently. Sorrow for sin 
is expressed and a complete turning away from sin takes place. This brings about change to live a Christ-like life in preparation for entering into the kingdom of heaven, as per Matthew 3 and 2, which says, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is a divine principle and required for salvation. There's no, you can't miss that step of repentance when we're looking for salvation. The atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ has made it possible for each individual to receive forgiveness of their sins, no matter how great or small their sins might be. I just add here that sin is sin, regardless of what the sin may be, whether it be murder, whether it be telling lies, whether it means picking up a five-cent piece from the floor and putting it in your pocket. These are all sins, and um, these will keep us out of heaven. No matter what the size of the sin, it will keep us out of heaven because there will be no sin in heaven at all. God is preparing us here in this life that we can be ready to reach heaven. And I ask you all here today, who wants to go to heaven? You can put up your hand. Who doesn't want to go to heaven? Not a single hand is shown for who doesn't want to. We all want to go to heaven. And we know from what the Bible teaches us and and tells us that heaven's going to be a great place. It's going to be wonderful. In fact, we won't be able to take it in. It's going to be so great. But we're not going to get there just sliding in or, you know, there's an old song that's saying you can't go in on a rocking chair and there's other words to that song. We've got to, we've got to meet God's requirements for us to enter in. If I, in my home, if a, if a person comes to visit that I don't approve of, I can tell them to go. I've got the right to tell them they no need to come into my house. Um, I don't want you in my house. Uh, please, can you leave? And God has the right to say that to us. If we've got sin and we're not cleansed for sin, uh, we are not able to enter into heaven. But if I say to that person that I'm rejecting from my home, if you go and have a shower and wash and clean up and shave or whatever and put some smart clothes on and mind your manners, I'll let you come into my house. And God asks us to do some things to enter into his kingdom. We need to repent of our sins. We, we are born, we have sin in our lives because of Adam and Eve's sin. We have, that, we have that sinful nature. And the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. It doesn't matter who you are, the Queen of England, all have sinned and come short of the glory. But God has made a way. God has said, clean up, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Spirit, you may enter. You may enter, and in fact, he's there to welcome us with open arms. He's there to receive us. And I've got this in my notes but about repentance, but if we make a mistake after we've done that, after we've repented, after we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, after we've been baptized in Jesus' name, and we make a mistake, tell a lie, I don't know, there's all sorts of, have a bad attitude, lose our temper, there's all sorts of things that we can do that are not right. It's not over for us if we will go back to God. If we will just go back to God, it's not over for us. We are in this human flesh, and this human flesh is a distraction, and it's disruptive, and it wants us not to go to heaven. Amen. But we can always thank God. How great is our God? He's more great than we can even imagine. We can say, sorry, Jesus. Sorry, God, I made a mistake. Please forgive me. 
please forgive me and cleanse me. And I'll, I'll repeat it just now because it's in my notes, and I'm not clever enough to, to leave it out, so I'll just carry on. But God, God will allow us if we genuinely repent and come back again. It's, when you think of, that, of our mortality, what we are, sinful human beings, that God is so holy, and yet he will allow us to be in his presence. He has made a way for us to be in his presence. Amen. I'm going to move on to baptism, and I refer to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. It says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So sometime after John the Baptist spoke these words, Jesus himself came to be baptized by John the Baptist. But John was very reluctant to baptize him, saying, it should be the other way around, and that you, Jesus, should baptize me. But Jesus insisted that John is required to baptize him to fulfill all righteousness. Here I refer to Matthew chapter 3 and 15, which is not on the board. This scripture cross-references to Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, which is a prophetic scripture, and this again isn't on the overhead. And I have copied out of the, mo- the most, out of the English Standard Version, which says, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. The only way there could ever be everlasting righteousness is through Jesus Christ. And here we see Jesus coming to be baptized as prophesied and coming to do the work that he was meant to do. As Jesus was baptized and came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and John the Baptist saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove over Jesus. And he heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And in these references, I'm only using the scriptures that are recorded in Matthew chapter 3. There's many other references in the Bible of these incidents, but I'm just using Matthew. Jesus left a clear example of how baptism should take place. The Greek word for baptism is baptizo, and it means immersion and symbolizes death, burial, and resurrection. Another thing, baptism is essential for salvation. We have repentance, which is essential for for salvation. We have baptism in Jesus' name, which is essential for salvation. In baptism... We identify with Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Unto his death, the Bible tells us that as baptism takes place and the person goes under the water, the old sinful man dies to his sinful ways. Now, if we get it in order, we've repented. So that means we want to give up those ways. We don't want to carry on that way. And the next step is to be baptized. And when we go in the water... We identify with Jesus Christ as the death and the burying of that old man because we want to change, we want to be different, we want to uh, have a, a good life. 
And uh, this is how we can obtain this for, uh, through Jesus Christ. The old sinful man dies and his sinful ways are buried. And when he comes up out of the water, he is raised up into newness of life. In other words, we have realized that our lives are not right and we desire to put off our old deeds, be made right, cleansed and forgiven, and so for that we come to Jesus. There are quite a few scriptures about the old man and the new man in the Bible. The old man is, as I've said before, is one living a sinful way of life which cannot please God and is subject to the law of sin and death. In baptism, down in the water, it demonstrates death to the sinful life of that old man and the old man is buried. When we come out of that water, we have put on the new man after which God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now we move on to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So to repent means to be convinced of another way, to change our minds, our convictions, and in response, to be convicted in our mind and heart, to change our actions. Repentance means turning away from or going away from those old ways and turning to God and looking for a better way. This was the beginning at this time when Jesus was baptized was the beginning of individuals individuals being baptized personally. And what does baptism mean and what is it for? First of all, well I've said this repentance is to precede baptism and we identify with Jesus Christ in his death, burial and resurrection. But in regard to salvation of our souls, his death, burial and resurrection is applied to our lives unto salvation. If we move all, if we put all these scriptures together, we realize that in baptism we identify with Jesus in his death, burial and resurrection. And I think I'm repeating myself here, sorry. Apostle Paul in in Colossians chapter three, Apostle Paul speaks Paul speaks on the subject that John the Baptist foretells that Jesus would be coming and that he would baptize with the Holy Ghost. We're talking about baptism of the Holy Ghost now, supposed to be. In the Old Testament, we learn from the scripture that God's spirit would come upon those who were to carry out God's will for a specific happening. And once the event had taken place, the spirit would leave them again. For example, Samson was empowered by the spirits of Jehovah to slay a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass. But in the New Testament, we learn of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We might ask, what is the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Who is it for? Do we all need this baptism? To answer these questions, we read what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 5. I've only got the last part of that scripture which says, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. First of all, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a promise fulfilled as referenced in all the scriptures. Isaiah, first of all, Isaiah 28 and 11, for with stamming rips and another tongue will he speak to his people. Then the fulfillment of the words of John the Baptist that 
He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Then the promise of the Father actually coming to pass, as in Acts 1, 4, and 5. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. And in Acts 1 and 5 again, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Those were all prophesied, they were, and they have all since been fulfilled. When this baptism takes place, the recipients are totally immersed in and filled with the Holy Ghost. As this baptism takes place, the one who is being filled begins to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. And this is the evidence that one has been baptized in the Holy Ghost. The Bible further speaks that one receives power after the Holy Ghost has come upon them. This power will help to be witnesses unto Jesus in the home country and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Further, this power will enable the recipients to carry out Scripture Mark 16, verse 17 to 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's the commandment that has gone forth and is still to be carried out and is being carried out in 2022 and will continue into the day God comes to take his church from this world. This scripture makes it perfectly clear that God intended that his power and authority would continue to be demonstrated in this world even after the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Although Jesus is not present in this world, miracles, healings, signs, and wonders are and will continue to be taking place. God does the miracles, and we are the vessels containing the Holy Spirit and power. This is never in any way for the glory of the vessel, but always for the glory of God. Now by the same Spirit there are diversities of gifts, and there are differences of administration, but the same Spirit which works in all. The gifts are given to individuals as chosen by God, and these gifts are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. For God to give these gifts to us, God does not stand us up in the line and look at our achievements and our behavior in life and then make selections of whom to choose for the gifts. He does not consider our education or our academic achievements, our sporting prowess, voluntary needs, donations to good causes, nor at the honors and recognition that we have received and how independent and strong we have become. No. Here we might quote Psalms 40 verses 1, 2, and 3, which David said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, 
and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. We, has, we with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, repented and baptism, baptized in Jesus' name. We are an example, as Emma said this morning, we are an example. People will look at our lives and they'll wonder why we are different, why we, we think differently, behave differently, speak differently. And uh, sometimes it can be a challenge, but that's what God is expecting because he wants his gospel to be reached worldwide. He doesn't want it to just stop. He wants it to be reached worldwide and to continue. And as we speak and reach out to people and live, live our lives reflecting the glory of God, people will be drawn to God because inside everybody's hearts in their lives, mainly they're hungry and they're looking for truth and they're looking for a place of peace and they're looking for some satisfaction and they're looking for answers. And whatever they try, they will not find these answers, they will not find the peace, and they will not find truth unless they come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a responsibility to live lives and to, to um, minister and to speak to people, witness to people as well. But our lives themselves should speak a message. Amen. For these gifts that God gives in, in, in the Holy Ghost, we do not qualify in any way for these gifts, but they are all distributed according to God's choosing. These spiritual gifts are given for the edification of the body of Christ. So amongst us in this church, we are members who have been given these gifts, and these gifts will be in operation when needed and by the enablement of God. But for all of us in the church, we should seek to serve God out of love for the purpose of building up one another for his glory. Now by the same Spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, and have been made to drink into one Spirit. The body we are baptized into is the church. The church is called the body of Christ because it is a living entity and Christ is the head. The relationship between the church and Christ is the same as the relationship between the body and the head. Neither can survive without neither one can survive without the other. Clearly the church consists of those people who have submitted themselves to the Lord Jesus and whose sins have been washed away in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus in his body he walked. His feet took him to many places, sometimes long distances, sometimes up hills, sometimes stony ground. His feet were washed, and his feet were nailed to the cross at the end of his life. He used his mouth to speak, to pray, to teach, to chastise, to express authority, to pronounce demons be cast out, and to pronounce healing. With his ears, he heard those who spoke to him. He heard about events and dangers which may be taking place. At his crucifixion, he heard the cry of the thief beside him crying out for mercy. With his eyes, he saw people, and he saw their needs and suffering. He saw events taking place. He saw details such as the fig tree which did not have figs on it. With his hands, 
He built furniture when he was a carpenter. He lifted his hands to bless people. And he laid his hands on many to be healed. He lifted up children into his arms and blessed them. He carried them across his arms. He, he carried his cross on his arms where, he was, where his hands were raised up to be nailed on the cross. Only these are some of the examples of the functions of the body. And for all who are baptized into the body, God gives us as individuals certain functions to take place in the body, and we are responsible to carry out these functions. Every part of the body is unique and serves its own function and follows the example of Jesus, such as hearing the cry of the needy. In Jesus' name, pray for healing. Wherever possible, recognize the need for deliverance and pray for that to take place, laying hands on the sick for their recovery. Keep our hands busy with our daily life requirements and work. With our feet, go to many places to share the gospel and to minister. The body is one and has many members. We read of this in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 5 to 27. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, but yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members of those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon those, these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And I say that statement to each and every one of us in this place here that are baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, repented. Ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. We, we are here in Northside Pentecostal Church, and we are the body of Christ in Northside Pentecostal Church. But if we go over to Brisbane and meet up with the, the brothers and sisters in Brisbane, they're also the body of Christ. We just join in because we're all one body. It doesn't matter where we are around the world. We, as long as we have that salvation and God has given us these gifts, and he does because that's what he does with his body. The body will function. The body will function on this world and uh, the message will come forth. So wherever we are, we are the body of Christ. And each person in this church has something that God wants them to do, whether they be a foot 
or whether they be a hand, or whether they be eyes, or whether they be ears. Maybe you know what you are. Maybe you know if you're a foot or eyes or ears or whatever the case may be. But that is what you will receive because God, that is God's plan. And that's what is going to happen. And that is how the body is going to function. And the body will continue to function that way. So <coughs> in this passage, I don't know if I read this, of Scripture, Apostle Paul expresses why the human body is the perfect figure to represent the church and how it functions and grows. The human body was a unique act of creation. And after the human body was created, God said, it is very good. And further, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's another scripture in Psalm 139. In scriptures elsewhere in the Bible, the church is called one body in Christ. One body, the body of Christ, and the body. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. He was in a body. Each one of us is to be content with our role that we have in the body. Each role is not only unique, but it is essential. Every individual gift and every individual function is absolutely necessary and is indispensable in the body of Christ. God arranges the members in the body as is his explicit will, and it is not wise to demean any of the members and their function in the body. There are no insignificant members in the body of Christ. Okay, I don't know what's happened. Earlier on, <clears throat> when I began to speak about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I asked the question, do we all need this baptism? I think from all the foregoing, there is a clear and simple answer to this question, and that is, yes, the Holy Ghost is absolutely essential for our salvation. It is a gift, and it keeps on giving. Could I ask uh, Cassie to come to the piano, please? But to go a little further... And this is a scripture I must quote. But the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Jesus Christ is coming back again and will take his church out from here. The sequence of those events is that Jesus himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Then those believers who have died will rise up from their graves. And then together with them, those who are still alive will meet them in the air, caught up with them in the air, up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. This event is coming soon. The Bible points out <clears throat> situations in the world which will take place prior to Jesus coming back. And we see from these situations that the time for Jesus to come back is very, very soon. We need to be ready and we need to be waiting. For us to be caught up, we need the power of the Holy Ghost. God is still pouring out the Holy Ghost. And today you can receive this baptism. I'm opening up the altars for anybody who wants to pray 
and reach out to God. <clears throat> God is pouring out his spirit still in this age and this time. And I ask that you come forward and pray. If you want the Holy Ghost, we'll pray with you. If you just want to re- be refreshed in the Holy Ghost, you can come, through, come to the front and pray. If you have any other needs, come to the altar and pray. But I, I, I adjure you to come forward if you need the Holy Ghost and let us pray with you that you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. It is important and it is essential for our salvation. Amen. <clears throat>